0: One, two, three, go. Feminist Mormon Housewives. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Feminist Mormon Housewives podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay, and we're bringing you back another episode in the series of A Year of Polygamy, where we help dissect the issues of Mormon... Polygamy. If this is your first time listening to the episode, I would point you back to episode number one with Fanny Alger, as these episodes are designed to go in order. Now, we are going to talk about Sarah and Whitney today. And I just want to tell you that we're about halfway through with the list of wives of Joseph Smith. So I hope you've enjoyed the series, series thus far. I would love your feedback in the comment section. As we move forward into the Utah period and to more modern day polygamy, it's not just going to be me on the podcast, so you won't have to be bored by just my voice the rest of the time. But we have to just get through these series. This is based on a series I did a couple of years ago for the Feminist House Housewives blog. And you can read the text on the site. Now, some of the information has been updated with scholarship, so I would encourage you to read In Sacred Loneliness by Todd Compton. Brian Hales' site, um, Joseph Smith's Polygamy, is really great for this. It has a lot of the sources analyzed and critiqued, so I'd go ahead and do that. But let's get into Sarah Ann Whitney. Now, she's, a, she's another controversial wife of Joseph Smith because she was also young. They believe she married Joseph Smith at about 17 years old. She was the eldest daughter of Newell K. Whitney. You'll remember that name. He's a big name in Mormon history. And Elizabeth Ann Whitney. And she was born in March 22nd, 1825 in Kirtland, Ohio. She would have been 13 years old when her family moved, left Kirtland, shortly after the failure of the Kirtland Safety Society. Now, if you don't know anything about that, this is a big controversy in Mormon history about this bank that the Mormons started, that Joseph started, and it failed pretty miserably. It led to a lot of apostasy, that's something you can, you can uh, research on your own. And they were involved in that. Um, we don't really have a lot of records about her until her marriage to Joseph Smith. But we do know that she grew up in a really spiritual household. Her father, Noel K. Whitney, was a prominent Indian trader, and he kept store there. And she was the second oldest in a family of 12 five of whom died really young. So she had experienced a lot of death in her family. She was close to her older brother, Horace, and they grew up in a comfortable house with a fine orchard and a garden. So they weren't poor. Uh, They did pretty well. And Newell K. Whitney would have been um, close to Joseph Smith, as is the pattern with a lot of his plural wives. They're close acquaintances to Joseph Smith. On May 4th, 1842, Newell K. Whitney receives his endowment and became a, a member of the Holy Order. Now remember, the Holy Order is something special. It's something exclusive. It's something that not a lot of um, people get. It was the sort of Mormon hierarchy, secret hierarchy. And her father, Newell K. Whitney, is brought into that in 1842. After that, Joseph Smith would introduce to him the doctrine of plural marriage. Now, Newell and his wife really resisted at first. Uh, They they were not big on the idea. But Joseph had a reason for starting to introduce them to the idea of plural marriage. He desired to marry their 17-year-old daughter, Sarah Ann. Sarah's mother Elizabeth would write, quote, "He Joseph Smith had been strictly charged by the angel that the most profound secrecy must be maintained. He confided to him newle the principles of polygamy. My husband revealed these things to me. We pondered upon them continually, and our prayer were unceasingly unceasing that the Lord would grant us some special manifestation concerning the new and strange doctrine." The Lord was very merciful to us. He revealed unto us his power and glory. We were seemingly wrapped in a heavenly vision, a halo of light encircled us, and we were convinced in our minds that God heard and approved our prayers. Our hearts were comforted and our faith made so perfect that we were willing to give our eldest daughter, then only 17 years of age, to Joseph in the holy order of plural marriage, laying aside all our traditions and former notions in regards to marriage. And we gave her with our mutual consent, end quote. Now, it's interesting that they gave her to him with their consent. And we don't have a lot of talk about Sarah Ann's consent, which is a feminist issue. Uh, Sarah Ann Whitney married Joseph Smith in a private ceremony during July of 1842. Now, remember, Joseph is marrying a lot of women at this time. She was 17. And uh, there was a supposed revelation through Joseph Smith to Sarah Ann's father, that authorized the union, quote, Verily thus saith the Lord unto my servant, Newell K. Whitney, that the thing that my, jo- that my servant Joseph Smith has made known unto you and your family, and which you have agreed upon, is right in mine eyes, and shall be rewarded upon your heads with honor and immortality and eternal life to all your house, both old and young. And Newell K. Whitney would perform the ceremony. He said, quote, You both mutually agree to be each other's companions so long as you both shall live, preserving yourselves for each other and from all others and also throughout all eternity reserving only those rights which have been given to my servant joseph by revelation if you both agree to covenant and do this i then give you sarah and whitney my daughter to joseph smith to be his wife to observe all the rights between you that belong to that condition end quote about this time of the marriage joseph sent sarah ann's brother horace on a mission helen mark kimball another one of joseph's wives that was really young wrote quote, but joseph feared to disclose it believing that others would it- embitter Horace against him and for that reason he favored his going east and quote so what Sarah what Helen Marr is saying is that uh, Joseph knew that Horace would be opposed to the union and so Joseph sent Horace on a mission so he would be away well Joseph Concealed himself in the in the house of Edward Sayer, he wrote a letter to his first wife, Emma, to whom he had been married for more than fifteen years at this point. At the close of this letter to Emma dated August sixteenth eighteen forty two he wrote quote, "Yours in haste, your affectionate husband, until death through all eternity forevermore and quote now it's interesting because these are considered love letters from Joseph and Emma Smith, but if you read between the lines, you can see that there's a lot more conflict going on than you would realize um It's reported that after he wrote this letter, he went to Carlos Granger's house. While he was hiding at the home of Carlos Granger, who was not a Mormon but friendly to him, he wrote a very revealing letter to three of his closest friends. They were Bishop Newell K. Whitney, his wife Elizabeth Ann, and the person whom he refers to as Ann C., Sarah Ann Whitney, whom had been married to him for now 22 days. This letter refers to the event in his life in the words, Since what has passed lately between us. Now, this letter has been talked over and over. it's quite controversial and debated by apologists. from the reading of the letter, one can gain an insight into the thought pattern of Joseph Smith, especially concerning his attitudes towards Emma Smith. A lot of times people will take quotes out of the letter i've seen I've seen church members um, in church take take a small line or snippet. To uh you know strengthen some gospel principle, and then I've seen um, critics of the church take out one or two lines and read those to show that Joseph Smith was a fiend, so this letter is really um, used often to promote whatever agenda people need uh, I'm going to go ahead and read the whole letter in just a minute on August eighteenth eighteen forty two he would write the following remarks concerning Emma, quote, "The only thing to be careful is to find out when Emma comes, you cannot be safe, but when she is not here, there is the most perfect safety." Also, I think Emma won't come tonight if she don't fail to come tonight. So that is used to say that he is deliberately trying to hide from Emma. He's asking in this letter, he's going to ask them to bring their daughter with with them and don't tell Emma. The scandal here alleges that Joseph Smith constantly tried to hide his polygamous rendezvous from Emma. And you can, on the text version, you can see a copy of the letter in Joseph's hand. So um, forgive me because it's written in kind of Joseph Smith's style, I'm going to read it translated line for line. Nauvoo, August 18th, 1842, dear and beloved brother and sister Whitney and C, I take this opportunity to communicate some of my feelings privately at this time, which I want you three eternally to keep in your own bosoms. My feelings are so strong for you since what has passed lately between us that the time of my absence from you seems so long and dreary that it seems as if I could not live if you long in this way. And, Three would come and see me in this, my lonely retreat. It would afford me great relief, of mind if those with whom I am allied do love me. Now is the time to afford me succor, in the days of exile, for you know I am foretold you of these things. I am now at Carlos Granger's, just back of Brother Hiram's farm. It is only one mile from town. The nights are very pleasant. Indeed, all three of... You can come and see me in the fore part of the night. Let Brother Whitney come a little ahead and knock at the southeast corner of the house at the window. It is next to the cornfield. I have a room in Tura Rely by myself. The whole matter can be attended to with most perfect safety. I know it is the will of God that, that you should comfort me. Now is the time of affliction or not at all. Now is the time of never, but I have no need of saying any such thing to you, for I know the goodness of your hearts and that you you will do the will of the Lord when it is made known unto you. The only thing to be careful of is to find out when Emma comes, then you cannot be safe. But when she is not here, there is the most perfect safety. Only be careful to escape observation as much as possible. I know it is a heroic undertaking, but so much the greater friendship and the more will Joy when I see you, I tell you all my plans, I cannot write them on paper. Burn this letter as soon as you read it. Keep all locked up in your breasts, my life depends upon it. One thing I want to see you for is to get the fullness of my blessing sealed upon our heads, and C, you will pardon me for my earnestness in this subject on the subject when you consider how lonesome I must be. Your good Feelings know how to make every allowance for me. I close my letter. I think Emma won't come tonight. If she don't fail to come tonight, I subscribe myself, your most obedient and affectionate companion and friend, Joseph Smith. So he's telling them to come, make sure Emma's not there. Now, some people say that's because he wants to lie to Emma and he knows that it wouldn't be safe for you know him to see Sarah. And Joseph saying he wants to bestow the full blessings of this union on her And other people say that just, you know, people, spies were watching Emma. And so she came, it it wouldn't have been safe and it would have disclosed his location. During this time, rumors of plural marriage, you know, were already circulating around the saints and outside of the saints. People were talking about it. The 1835 and 1844 versions of the Doctrine and Covenants were, had prohibited polygamy and declared that monogamy was the only acceptable form of marriage. And this is when John C. Bennett practiced it more openly and became the scapegoat for the system publicly. Two months after the marriage of Sarah Ann Whitney to Joseph Smith, the following certificates were published. Quote, We the undersigned members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and residents of the city of Nauvoo, persons of families do hereby certify and declare that we know of no other rule or system of marriage than the one published from the Book of Doctrine and Covenants, and we give this certificate to show that Dr. John C. Bennett's secret wife system is a creature of his own make, as we know of no such society in this place, nor never did. Signed, S. Bennett, Newell K. Whitney, George Mil- Miller, Albert Petty, Alpheus Cutler, Elias Higby, Reynolds Calhoun, John Taylor, Wilson Law, E. Robinson, W. Woodruff, Aaron Johnson. And then it goes on to say, we the undersigned members of the Ladies Relief Society and female, married females do certify and declare that we know of no system of marriage being practiced in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints save the one contained in the Book of the Doctrine and Covenants. And we give this certificate to the public to show that John C. Bennett's secret wife system is a diclo- disclosure of his own make. Signed, Emma Smith, President. Eliza Ann Whitney, Counselor. Sarah M. Cleveland, Counselor. Eliza R. Snow, Secretary. Mary C. Miller, Catherine Petty, Lewis Cutler, Sarah Higby, Theriza Cahun, Phoebe Woodruff, Anne Hunter, Lenora Taylor, Jane Law, Sarah Hillman, Sophia R. Marks, Rosanna Marks, Polly Z. Johnson, Angeline Robinson, and Abigail Works. So they signed these statements saying that polygamy is not happening. And you'll notice that some of the people that signed are Newell K. Whitney, who just gave his daughter into marriage for Joseph, and his wife who is Emma Smith's first counselor, Elizabeth Ann Whitney. So they sign it. As well as I read you some of the names of the women that were already married to Joseph Smith. So Emma had no idea at this point. Ebenezer Robinson, one of the men whose name appears on the first certificate, wrote concerning of the statement that he signed as follows, quote, "...in October 1842, a statement was written out and signed by a large number of the brethren and sisters, including myself and wife, setting forth the fact that we knew of no other form of marriage ceremony in the church except the one published in the Doctrine and Covenants, which statement was true at the time, as we had no knowledge of such a ceremony of the spiritual wifery or polygamy, was taught by the heads of the church." as they had not upon that time taught it to us. We knew it was talked of in secret and had been for more than a year. These secret rumors could not constitute a knowledge that certain persons taught such things when they had not taught them to us. End quote. Um, Nine months after Joseph's marriage to Bishop Whitney's daughter, Sarah Ann, she would be married to Joseph C. Kingsbury in what was known as a pretend marriage. This fake marriage was per. This fake marriage was performed for the glory of Joseph Smith and Sarah Ann to shield the fact that they were husband and wife. The following is taken from the history of Joseph C. Kingsbury, quote, a record of Joseph Corden Kingsbury giving a sketch of his life, or in the first place, his decent chronology as far back as he has any knowledge or information. And I, Joseph C. Kingsbury, write this record with my own hands. And on the 16th day of October, my wife died after the severe sickness of three months and being delivered a son the same day of her death, which lived 13 hours. And on the 29th of April, 1843, I, according to President Joseph Smith, counsel and others, agreed to stand by Sarah Ann Whitney as, a, as supposed to be her husband and had a pretended marriage for the purpose of bringing about the purposes of God in these last days as spoken by the mouth of the prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and also Joseph Smith and Sarah Ann should record a great Glory, honor, and eternal lives. And I should also record a great glory, honor, and eternal lives to the full desire of my heart in having my companion Caroline in her first resurrection to claim her, and no one have power to take her from me. And we both shall be crowned and enthroned together in the celestial kingdom of God, enjoying each other's society in all our fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ and our little ones with us, as received in the blessing that present Joseph Smith sealed upon my head on the 23rd of March, 1843, as follows. Brother Joseph, I lay my hands upon thy head in the name of Jesus Christ to bestow thee a patriarchal blessing according to the power and authority of the holy priesthood vested in me. I say unto thee, thou shalt be blessed with the good things of this world abundantly in thy lifetime, and I seal thee... Up to come forth in the first resurrection unto eternal life, and thy companion Caroline, who is now dead, thou shalt have in the first resurrection, I seal thee up for her, and in her behalf to come forth in the first resurrection unto eternal lives, and it shall be as though she was present herself, and thou shalt hail her, and she shall be thine, and no one shall have power to take her from thee. And ye shall both be crowned and enthroned to dwell together in a kingdom in the celestial glory in the presence of God, and you shall enjoy each other and other society embraces you in all the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, words worlds without end, and I seal these blessings upon thee and thy companion in the name of Jesus Christ, for thou shalt receive the holy anointing and endowment in this life to prepare you for all the blessings, even so, amen. Sorry, end quote. That was a long quote, but basically I don't know if you you pick up on this, but what we have is Joseph C. Kingsbury loses his wife in October. He is devastated. By April, Joseph says, Okay, I know you're devastated about your wife. I will seal her to you forever if you will marry Sarah Ann Whitney in a pretend marriage. We need you to help protect this. So he does, um, and he he never considers this a real marriage. He does this because he's promised being sealed to his wife. After Joseph Smith's death, Sarah Ann would uh, go on to marry Apostle Heber C. Kimball, becoming one of his 39 wives. And this essentially ended her full marriage with Kingsbury. So, you know, he was never really interested in her. He just did it as sort of his eternal favor, as you can see in the blessing. On January 12th, 1846, in a ceremony in the Nauvoo Temple... Sarah Ann Whitney was sealed to Joseph Smith for eternity. So this happened after his death. A lot of his wives were sealed to him for eternity on the records. The the proxy for Joseph Smith, who had died earlier, was Heber C. Kimball, one of the apostles of the church, and so she would also be sealed to him for time. So she got sealed to Heber C. Kimball for time, and Heber stood as a proxy for Joseph for eternity. Since her marriage to Joseph C. Kingsbury on April 29, 1843, and until she went to live with Heber C. Kimball in May of 1846, Sarah Ann would live with Joseph C. Kingsbury as his, as his pretended wife. And they lived together, um, but while they were living together, Heber C. Kimball was courting Sarah Ann. The date of Heber C. Kimball's religious marriage, as recorded by Sarah's father, Noel K. Whitney, was March 17th, 1845. So uh, there's a record of the marriage in the temple, May of 1846, but Newell K. Whitney records that as March, so a few months earlier. Sorry, not a few months, a year earlier. So he considers them married long before they were sealed in the temple. Two months after their sealing in the Nauvoo Temple, a baby boy, boy was born to Heber C. Kimball and Sarah Ann Whitney while she was traveling with Joseph C. Kingsbury. So she's already living with Kingsbury. She's pregnant with Heber C. Kimball's baby they've been sealed in the temple for only two months this boy was born on march eighth, 1846 and was given the name of david kimball smith by his father and here's more from joseph c kingsbury's history i being prepared took my journey on the 20th of february 1846 with sarah my supposed wife and loenza my wife and mary houston sarah handmaid and emmeline sarah assisted in company with bishop newell k whitney my gospel father and his family We traveled very slowly, being in great company, bad weather and muddy roads. And on the 8th of March, Sarah was delivered a son in the Valley of David. And after going through a very fatiguing journey through cold and wet, I was taken sick and suffered much. But through the mercies of Lord, I recovered. And on the fore part of May, Sarah went to live with President Kimball, her husband. And I was left with my real wife, Loenza, to journey by ourselves. And we reached Council Bluffs in June, about the middle of the time. So you'll notice now... She's pregnant. She has her baby with Heber C. Kimball. He considers Newell K. Whitney his gospel father, the spiritual father. Now, we're finding out that the law of adoption is um, something that that came after Joseph Smith's death, but it's starting to be experimented with here. So, you know, uh, Kingsbury thinks that Newell K. Whitney is his gospel father and that his daughter, Sarah, Sarah Ann, is his supposed wife. But he has now remarried Louenza and uh, considers her his real wife. Willard Richards records in his journal the following quote eight minutes before seven AM, Sarah, daughter of Bishop Whitney, was delivered a fine son named him named by his father David Kimball Smith, after the name of the place where Bishop Whitney was encamped, which he called the Valley of David. Now unfortunately David Kimball didn't live for long, he died in infancy. Seven children resulted from her marriage to Kimball two which would die in infancy. Sarah was described in Kimball's biography as a woman of wonderful character, respected by the other wives and children. She was deeply devoted to her own children and to Heber C. Kimball. She would pass away on September 4th, 1873 in Salt Lake City at the age of 48. Her official cause of death was considered to be brain fever. And later on, as we cover the Utah period, we're going to talk more about uh, what it was like to be married to Heber C. Kimball. I've hinted at it before, but Heber C. Kimball had a lot of wives and he was not really able to care for them well. So it, we can know mostly that the women that married Heber C Kimball really had to struggle and lived an impoverished impoverished lifestyle. So we're, we're going to talk about that more. But that's just that's the quick sketch of Sarah Ann Whitney. I would I would urge everyone to go do additional reading and we will see you next week on our year of Whitney.